It's a Mailbag Monday. We've got your questions about ranking the National League rookie pitchers that debuted last year, some guys that were left off of their farm previews like Owen Cassie and James Triantos of the Cubs or Khalil Watson of the Miami Marlins, and Jason Dominguez being left off of MLB Pipeline's top 10 outfielders. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. For those of you watching on YouTube, shout out to the Las Vegas Aviators, AAA affiliate of the Oakland A's for the fantastic hat and the merch that came in the mail just recently. Uh, You can check out everything. If you're going to visit Las Vegas, make some time to go check out the Aviators and what they're doing. So, Mailbag Monday, we're answering your questions. And uh, interesting question that I got from Ian via email of the young National League pitchers that debuted last year and didn't lose rookie status, and he gave me the five guys he wants to hear about, how would you rank them? So the five guys were Dre Jamison of the Diamondbacks, uh, Ryan Nelson of the Diamondbacks, Hayden Wineski of the Cubs, Matthew Liebertor of the Cardinals, and Bryce Elder of the Braves. And slight clarification, Bryce Elder actually pitched 54 innings, so he technically did lose rookie status last year he is not going to be like he got a year of service time if I understand that correctly so uh, of these five guys the guy I'm putting number one is Dre Jamison of the Diamondbacks 2019 first rounder out of Ball State six foot 165 so he does have the physical build working against him a bit but four games in MLB last year all starts 1.48 ERA and 24 and a third innings with 24 strikeouts so very close to nine strikeouts per nine, seven walks, 2.6 per nine, two home runs allowed. I'll acknowledge up front for all of these guys, if we're just giving the MLB stats, these are all small samples, 24 innings, 30 innings, 33, things like that. I'll acknowledge that. But when you look at the stuff, I think Dre Jamison is going to have, or has the, has the, the tools to have the best year this year. He is a fantastic athlete, which I think does matter. That is important. But he throws both a four-seam and a two-seam fastball. And overall grade for the fastball, I would give it probably a 70 grade. Uh, the the, the four-seamer sits 97 or so. He can touch 100 with it. The two-seamer is a little bit slower, 94 miles an hour, which is common. You typically see two-seamers a little bit slower. But it's got really late action that kind of comes in on your hands. And so good for getting swings and misses, good for inducing ground balls. To go along with it, the slider is also a 70-grade pitch. Uh, It's a swing and miss pitch. It's got like a lot of sharp, late life to it. And he can manipulate the shape. So he can make it break, uh, break more or break less and kind of adjust it as he needs to. To go along with it, he's got a change up and a curveball. They're both kind of average. And the idea with those is he really whips them out early in the at-bat, try to steal a strike here and there. 
before he focuses on the two tools. Normally, I wouldn't be as excited about a guy that only had two pitches that were better than average, but both the fastball, both versions of the fastball and the slider are both 70 grade or for the fastball, 65 to 70. So I like the ceiling there. I do worry a little bit about one, he's incredibly aggressive and that can come back to backfire on you when you're a younger prospect and you're newer to MLB and they get a book on you. And then also, I do worry about the frame. Being as small as he is, I worry about the durability over the course of a season. I say that he pitched last year between AA Amarillo, AAA Reno, and the majors. I mean, he, he pitched almost 160 innings. So it's a concern, but it hasn't yet shown to be an issue. So that's nice. Number two on that list for me, left-hand pitcher Matthew Liebertor of the Cardinals. 2018 first-rounder out of high school, 6'5", 200, got nine games in the big, seven starts, and the stats don't look great. 5'9", ERA, and 34 and two-thirds innings, 28 walks, I'm sorry, 28 strikeouts, so 7.27 per nine to 18 walks, 4.6 per nine, five home runs allowed. I think part of it is if you go and you look, he had a really bad batting average on balls in play. So he had bad Babbitt luck uh, as far as things getting hit, and that should even out a bit over the course of a full season. So I think the stats aren't quite indicative of, of his true talent level, but I do like the stuff. He also throws two fastballs, a four-seamer and a two-seamer. The four-seamer sits 93 to 95. It's got good ride up in the zone and some cutting action to it. The two-seamer doesn't have a lot of sink to it. It's not a traditional sinker, but... It does have a lot of late run in on your hands. Uh, curveball is a plus curveball. It's It has one to seven action is what it's described as. But when you watch it, it's got like a fo- almost a foot and a half of vertical break. And it has over a foot of horizontal break. So rather than being a true one to seven, it really ends up being more two to eight. You know, and it's kind of, it's it's not quite diagonal, but it's closer to that. Uh, throws a gyro slider, 90, I'm sorry, 85 or 86. Works well against left-handed hitters. And then he has a below-average changeup in the mid to high 80s that kind of blends in with the two-seamer a bit. And so the issue there is the difference velocity-wise isn't enough to make it stand out from the two-seamer. But I do love the combination of tools. When I did a show with JD from Locked On Cardinals a couple, I think a couple months ago, I talked about Matthew Liebertor reminds me a lot of a young Max Freed. I'm not saying he's the next Max Freed, but his what he does well, what his stuff looks like, it reminds me a lot of a younger Max Freed. Number three on that list, I've got right-hand pitcher Hayden Wineski at the Cubs. 2019 sixth rounder out of Sam Houston State, 6'3", 210. Last year, got in six games. Four of those were starts. 218 ERA in 33 innings pitched, 33 strikeouts, so exactly nine strikeouts per nine to seven walks, 1.91 per nine, three home runs allowed. All of his stuff, I like his stuff, but it also comes out of a pretty funky setup, and I think that helps it play up a little bit. So the the four-seamer sits 93 to 94, can touch 97. It has some sink to it, which is unusual for a four-seamer. He also throws a two-seamer, 92 to 95. The slider is a plus slider in the low 80s. Again, has some two-plane breaks, so you have some different 
visual pictures. Uh, the cutter is an average pitch, high 80s, 87 to 90 or so. Change up, a little bit below average, sits in the upper 80s, mostly used against lefties. Uh, really aggressive as far as attacking hitters, and I like that. And he actually threw an immaculate inning last year in his short sample size. So a lot of the common predictions are back into the rotation kind of guy or reliever. I like Hayden Wineski, and I think he could end up being a number four, maybe a number three. I like him a lot. Number four pitcher, if I'm stack ranking these four, right-hand pitcher Ryan Nelson. 6'4", 190, he is a 2019 second rounder out of Oregon. Got three games at the MLB level last year, was 1-1 one one with a 1.47 ERA in 18 and a third innings. So he averaged six innings per start. 16 strikeouts of so 7.85 per nine to six walks, 2.95 per nine, with two home runs allowed. So the stuff here, the stuff isn't as good as some of the other guys on the list. The fastball is... Plus, it sits 95. It's got some good life to it. So again, does well up in the zone. And he feels really good about it. He'll throw it. Um, like, even if folks know it's coming. Like, if it's a fastball count, he'll still throw it. It'll still be effective. It's a good pitch. He's got a, a above average slider, kind of firm, and a, a, an average curveball that's a little bit slower. Just they're, they're similar. They're just different speed versions of the same kind of pitch. Uh, Changeup is below average. Uh, when it... When it's on, it's not always on. And I think this is kind of the big issue holding back Ryan Nelson from hitting that next level of performance is outside of the fastball, which is very, which is plenty dominant. But outside of that, he doesn't really have another weapon. I'd love to see one of these breaking balls get a little bit better. They're both vertically breaking as far as the slider and the curveball. And so it's not as consistent of a tool set as you would like. Uh, he does pound the strike zone, and he's really good at following the game plan, sequencing, and things like that. So he kind of lets it play up a little bit, but I'd love him to develop uh, a more effective breaking pitch. The last guy on this list, right-hand pitcher Bryce Elder. I've got him fifth out of the five. 2025th rounder out of Texas, 6'2", 220. Braves pitcher. Got in, again, just over 50 innings last year. 54 innings pitched over 10 games with nine starts. 3-1-7 ERA. 47 strikeouts of 7.8 per nine to 23 walks, 3.83 per nine, four home runs allowed. Bryce Elder is very much a pitch-to-contact ground ball pitcher. The fastball is average. It's a a sinker, sits 90-94. He's got a plus slider in the mid-80s. He also uses an above-average change, which the good thing is he is comfortable throwing that at any time. He will throw the change up at any count to any handed batter in any situation. It's very, it's really impressive. Uh, he also throws a four-seamer, it's kind of average, and then a curveball as well, but tons of ground ball contact. 57% ground ball rate in MLB last year, and then throws a ton of strikes. And so it gives him a higher floor, but I feel like a lower ceiling. The pitchability's there as well, but just not necessarily as good as you would like. In just a minute, I want to get to some of the questions about guys left off of their farm system previews, like uh, Khalil Watson for the Miami Marlins or Owen Cassie and James Triantos with the Cubs. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Uh, we're very excited to add FanDuel into the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, they're the number one sportsbook in America. If you're new to FanDuel, that's great. They have a ton of features that make betting on sports fun and easy. If you download FanDuel now, 
you can bet on Super Bowl 57 with a no sweat first bet. So the way it works is you'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. They let you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. I actually, when trying to figure out those rankings to see if I was crazy or not, I reached out to a couple folks in baseball and then I also checked FanDuel. Matthew Libertor is the only one of those five guys that actually has Rookie of the Year odds. He's plus 2,400 for National League Rookie of the Year. I have him number two behind Dre Jamison, but FanDuel has that as well. Everything that you do on there is on a safe, secure, and super easy to use app. And the best thing is you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash on to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Okay, so we've been doing farm previews now for about three weeks. We've gotten through the American League and National League East as well as the National League Central. And I've collected some of the questions that guys, folks have had about guys that were left off. So, Shout out to Anthony on YouTube, Lord Reven on YouTube, Ed on YouTube, uh, and ColtsGuy84 on Twitter for the following questions. But guys who were left off, outfielder Owen Cassie of the Cubs, uh, 2020 second rounder out of high school, 6'4", 190, got 105 games in high A last year, 254, 349, 402, 11 home runs, 33 extra base hits. 50 walks to 124 strikeouts and 11 to 17 on stolen bases. So has a ton of power, would probably be the number one power guy in this Cubs system if Matt Mervis was not a thing. But Matt Mervis is a thing, hashtag free Matt Mervis. And so what Owen Cassie's looking at, the power is probably 65 grade, right? It's a very quick, compact swing and it works with power to all fields. So both pull side and going oppo taco, he can do it. The at-bats are really good because he obviously has a really quick swing, so he can catch up on stuff if he's late. Uh, he's able to keep the barrel in the zone for a long time mechanically in the swing, and then he has good enough plate awareness, uh, pitch, pitch discernment, plate awareness, things like that, where he can do enough contact. He, he, he profiles to be a guy who's going to hit 30, 35 home runs in the bigs. Average power, but, I'm sorry, average hit tool plus or double plus power. Defensively, you've got some questions. He plays in the outfield, above average arm, speed is average, but the defense overall is below average. He, he struggles with fly balls, which is kind of a big deal when you're in the outfield. and it just feels like he needs more reps out there, right? And it makes sense. He was drafted in 2020 at age 17. And so, like, I absolutely get it. He was also traded six months after getting drafted. He was drafted by the Padres, and he was traded in the U Darvis trade. So he just needs a little bit more time. He needs more experience. Uh, needs to play more baseball. So a thing you're obviously going to work on. I would expect there is a good possibility that by the time he gets to the bigs, he may end up being more of a DH than a uh, than an outfielder. Simply like if that outfield defense does not improve any. Uh, the other question for the Cubs was James Triantos, the third baseman. 
So 2021 second rounder out of high school, 6'1", 195. Got 113 games in low A last year. 272, 335, 386. Seven home runs, 32 extra base hits, 39 walks to 81 strikeouts, 113 games, so good ratio. 20 to 23 on stolen bases. He is a plus hitter with average power. So he's going to be able to produce offensively, but he's not going to hit tons of home runs. He can hit the ball to all fields. So he does foul pole to foul pole. Very good at adjusting during the at-bat. So I, that's kind of what, I, what I've noticed is as, he, as he's going through the at-bat, if somebody is beating him on stuff, he can, able, he can adjust enough to make the at-bat competitive. Uh, defensively, a lot of work to do. Started off in, in, in high school. They played him in 21 in rookie ball at a lot of second base. Now he's playing at kind of third base. He has above average arm, but the, the, ac- the arm action itself and the accuracy isn't great. And then the internal clock is not quite there. He kind of speeds himself up. The range isn't necessarily great. And, and it leads to throwing errors, uh, fielding errors, things like that. So has work to do at third base. I think he can get too close to average. I don't quite think he's going to be average. I think he can get close to average at third base. You do always have the fallback of you could move him to first base. Kind of a waste of an above average arm, but if you have to do it to get the bat to play, you can do that. And that's kind of the struggle is the bat's going to be good. And so uh, how quickly can you get the defense up to speed with understanding the fact that Def, like power-wise, he may not profile to fit at first base. Uh, for the Reds, middle infielder Jose Torres, we were asked about. 2021 third rounder of NC State, six foot 170, got 107 games in high A last year. 234, 287, 378, 13 home runs, 29 extra base hits, 28 walks to 116 strikeouts, and 26 of 30 on stolen bases. The thought process when he was drafted was he's going to be a utility guy. Uh, He'll have a high floor because of his defense, and if he's able to do any sort of offense, that would just be an extra addition. And the defense is not bad. It's uh, it's speed's average, but the defense comes out as plus because he's got very good instincts. The first step is very good, so the reads, routes, reactions. Obviously, the, the routes aren't as crucial in the infield as they are in the outfield, but all of that is pretty good. Offensively, he's gotten better, but he did struggle a little bit when he went from low A to high A. So in low A Daytona, 337, 383, 568. He goes to high A Dayton last year, 234, 287, 378. Batting average comes down 100 points. On base comes down 100 points. Slugging comes down almost 200 points. Uh from what I understand, there were some, some injury issues, oblique, things like that, but he's got to improve a lot of that stuff if he wants to make it work. We were really excited about the improvements he made in 21. We need the 2023 version of Jose Torres to look more like the 2021 version and not the 2022 version. Mets right-hand pitcher Dominic Hamill. Got a question about him. Uh, 6'2", 206. He was a 2021 third rounder out of Dallas Baptist. Got 25 games in the minors, divided between low A and high A. 24 starts. 
10 and 3. Just thought it was unusual. Wanted to throw it out there. 325 ERA in 119 innings, 145 strikeouts. So 11 strikeouts per nine to 54 walks, 4.1 per nine with five home runs allowed. The stuff is fine. Uh, Fastball's a plus pitch, sits 91 to 94. It's got good arm side run and some vertical break, which is nice. It's really good spin to it. So I like that. The slider, somewhere between above average and plus, sits in the low 80s. Again, tons of spin to it, so that really helps. Curveball's kind of um, fringe to average. It's in the mid-70s. Changeup is below average. So he really needs to improve both of those to have a weapon against lefties. But he throws a ton of strikes. The delivery is smooth and repeatable, and he's got that pitch ability. So there is something to be done there. Like, there is tools. You just have to improve the the secondary and tertiary options because your fastball slider are good enough. You just kind of have to get curveball and or change to be at least average to have a chance to go a little bit deeper into games. In just a minute, I want to get to... Uh, some questions about the MLB Pipeline Top 100 Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. If you want a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, you got to try a Built Bar. We just finished the holidays. We've talked about this. My goal is to eat healthier this year. If you want to eat healthy but don't want to compromise taste, I have got the thing for you. You have got to try Built Bars. Healthy is actually tasty. They're so good because they're all covered in 100% real chocolate. The flavors, fantastic. Churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond. It's good stuff. Uh, they're, they're healthy for you. All Built Bars, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 17 grams of protein. And you don't have to wait for Built.com to mail them to you. You can go to Built.com and do all of the purchasing like you used to do. But go to Walmart, go to the pharmacy section, and grab a box of Built Bars, a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate or coconut puff, or go to Sam's Club, get a 13-bar box of brownie batter and churro. So Built.com, Walmart, or Sam's, you're going to love it. Okay, so question: I got a question about Khalil Watson, uh, and this was from ColtsGuy84 on Twitter. He said he pulled a card from Khalil Watson recently and wanted to know about what Khalil Watson's prospects were for for rebuilding his value. To kind of remind you what happened, 2021 first rounder out of high school, 5'9", 178. Got 83 games in low A last year, and it was kind of disastrous, right? 231, 26, 395, nine home runs, 30 extra base hits, 27 walks to 127 strikeouts in 83 games, 16 and 19 on stolen bases. Um, he's a He's a young man. He's 19 years old. He is a work in progress. Defensively, he's got plenty of tools. The speed is plus. The arm is above average. uh, But the defense is only average. His footwork's kind of sloppy. He's got throwing errors in there. And it all kind of stems back to mentally, right? So the hit tool was a 40 grade. And the power's a 55. We saw the hit tool really struggle last year. He struck out like 40% of the time. The bat speed's good. The raw power is there. He's just got so much swing and miss. And it's more so, it's not just like a mechanical thing. It's a mindset thing. He hasn't really ever struggled until last year. 
And so a lot of the reports from his games were not good. He didn't handle failure very well. Uh, The most notable incident was um, he had some issues with balls and strikes. Uh, he, He got called out on a check strike swing. And he made a gesture with his bat at the umpire. It was a... He mimicked the the bat being a gun, and he mimicked shooting the umpire. They ejected him from the game. He didn't play for the rest of the series. And he has a lot of work that he has to do to rebuild his stock. It just did did not go very well. Uh, I don't quite know what Miami's plans are with him. They're not going to move him. Nobody's going to take him right now. But I don't quite know exactly what he's going to be able to do next year uh, as far as development-wise to fix a lot of this. Uh, Mark, uh, one of the hosts of the Yankees podcast, Bronx Muchachos, asked about Jason Dominguez. He was left off of MLB Pipeline's top 10 outfielders. He wants to know, is he really worse than the guys who were 6 through 10? So to go through the list real quick, uh, and if you want us to break down some of these top 10 prospect lists, let me know. Um, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball, shows on Twitter at Locked on Farm. You can drop it in the comments if you're on YouTube. You can drop it in our Discord if you're a member of that. If you're not, Link is in the episode description. Link is in the show notes. Let us know if you want us to break down these MLB Pipeline top 10 lists. Put. Uh, number one, Corbin Carroll, the Diamondbacks. Number two was Jordan Walker of the Cardinals. Number three was Jackson Churio of the Brewers. Number four was Drew Jones of the Diamondbacks. And let me just soapbox for a brief second. I know he was drafted by the Diamondbacks. He has not yet played in like regulation games. And it's my opinion that until a guy has actually played games in the minors, you probably shouldn't be putting him into lists like this. Just a just a little minor pedantic complaint that I have. I believe in Drew Jones. I think he's a good player. I just don't think it's fair to put him into these lists until you've at least seen him do it in major like in the minors, you know. Number 5, James Wood of the Washington Nationals. Number six, Zach Veen of the Rockies. Controversial prospect. I've seen a lot of back and forth there. Number seven, Pete Crow Armstrong of the Chicago Cubs. I think Pete Crow Armstrong should be higher. I'm fine if you put PCA at number four, where Drew Jones was. Sal Frelick, number eight for the Brewers. Uh, Robert Hassel, number nine for the Nationals. Colton Kowser, number 10 for the Orioles. Uh, I do think that we don't give proper respect to Jason Dominguez because he was so incredibly overhyped when he was signed. And so it was almost impossible for him to meet those expectations. Um, But let me just walk you through his season last year. So 75 games in low A Tampa. And this is what the haters point to when they say Jason Dominguez isn't that great. 265, 373, 440. Nine home runs, 28 extra base hits. 46 walks to 89 strikeouts in 75 games, 19 to 25 on stolen bases. Uh, Really struggled early. Uh, The Yankees worked with him on some stuff. They worked with him on swing decisions. You remember their mantra is hit strikes hard. They worked with him on the launch angle and the angle for his swing. From June 1st forward, 273, 389, 464, he finished with 16 home runs. 11 of those were after June 1st. And you can see the changes when he went to high A Hudson Valley. Again, at age 19, just quick reminder on that. 40 games in high A Hudson Valley, 306, 397, 
510. Six home runs, 16 extra base hits, 23 walks to 34 strikeouts in 40 games. There's your improvement with the swing decisions. 17 to 18 on stolen bases. Again, I think part of the reason Jason Dominguez is underrated is because he got such lofty comparisons that there was no way he was going to meet when he signed. I mean, I heard Mickey Mantle and Mike Trout, and that's not realistic for anybody. But look at what he actually does. Above average hit tool, plus power. Again, swing decisions got a lot better last year. Defensively, I think he can stick in center field. He'll probably be average in center field. I think he'd be above average in a corner. The speed's above average. The arm's above average. The questions I would have about center field would be his range. He's not like a lot of center fielders where it's like the the like the 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 slender long legs graceful strides kind of thing. He's a smaller, bigger player, uh, 5'10", 210, and he is just nothing but muscle. And so that's where the power comes from, but it leads me to feel like he'd be a little bit limited range-wise as well as all of the running in center field would impact his offense. So I do think he's destined for a corner, but he could stick in center and be average in center field. Great week coming up. We're previewing the American League Central. A reminder, if you have questions for the mailbag next week, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Show's on Twitter at Locked on Farm. You can email us, prospects at gmail.com, or drop your questions in the Locked on MLB Prospects Discord. Link is in the episode description. Link is in the show notes. Until tomorrow's show, this has been Locked on MLB Prospects. Oh.